Hello and welcome to COS Live. You can watch the original video broadcast live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's COS Live. Well, hello, COS supporters, and welcome to another edition of COS Live. My name is Andrew Lush. I'll be your host. And of course, I am joined by Rita Peters, who is the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs, but she is also my co-host, uh, Rita, it's great to be back with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Happy to be back with you. You may notice my background is a little bit different today. I am coming to you from the road in Oklahoma City. I'm in Oklahoma City today. I'm here visiting some family. And um, yeah, I'm excited about our program today. It's sort of a continuation from last week, right, Andrew? Yes, that's right. Uh, Rita, like you said, uh, we had a great show last week where we took our viewers behind the scenes to see the uh, never-before-seen footage from the 2016 simulation. So we only got through half of the footage that we have available. Now we're going to look at the other half. We have four videos that we're going to show our uh, our audience today. And, I, and you know, Rita, and I'm sure our audience knows too, the simulation is right around the corner. We're having another simulated convention in Colonial Williamsburg, so that's why we're digging through this old historic footage from the 2016 simulation just to get you primed and ready for the big event that's coming up in August, August 2nd through the 4th. So we're all so excited about that. So today we'll be watching some of those videos. We also do have a brand new episode of COS Now brought to you by Garrett Humbertson, uh, Producer G, as many of you know him and as we know him. And then we also have our Article 5 trivia giveaway. And we do have um, we do have questions from the mailbag today, so we'll be getting to that very soon. But before we have before we get to all of that, let's go to Mike Ruthenberg, who has our Article Five trivia giveaway. Mike, over to you. Thank you, Andrew. What a pleasure it is to be here and to be listening in on the wonderful things you guys are going to be talking about with the convention. One of my favorite things, of course, we're convention estates. When we get to talk about conventions specifically, that's kind of fun. Of course, our mission is to build the grassroots army, which is huge and growing and beautiful. Every state in the union is represented by convention estates very, very nicely. I'm so proud to be a part of this great team. And today I get to bring you some Article 5 trivia, which is super fun. I just got back from a weekend away hiking with my family. So I'm going to give away a hat because if I didn't have a hat like this, I would have baked in the sun. So it's a great time. I'll give away a COS hat, trucker cap, just like this one. The person that can get this question correct, or at least get the answer correct, of course, you'll get the question correct. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the question, sharpen up your fingers, get them ready. And don't forget that we don't just want you to respond and be sitting back and listening uh, and only respond to the trivia question. Get in there, mix it up, engage, because this is a really great episode that we have coming up. And not only do you get more learning by participating, because most people learn a lot by that kinesthetic type learning, but what it also does, it gives us a bonus when more people interact with this, more people see it on their feed, people that you know people that you would want to see this, they're more likely to see it because you're interacting, not to mention that they'll get to see a little bit about your chiming in and some of the wisdom that you guys bring to Convention Estates. So here's our question for the day. Convention Estates Action is working to call the very first ever 
Article 5 Convention for proposing amendments to the Constitution. I say Convention of States, of course, we know there's been 27 amendments to the Constitution, but all of them have been done by the Congress. Thus far, those 27 amendments, um, of course, had to be ratified to make it happen. The really interesting thing is, is, and I don't know if you knew, but Article 5 of the Constitution not only provides two ways to propose amendments, but it also provides two ways to ratify those amendments. And of course, um, in the nation's history, we've actually used both methods for ratifying amendments, except 26 times we ratified um, the amendments from the Congress. It takes three quarters of the states in the other method. There's one amendment to the Constitution that's been ratified using the state's convention method. Which one was it? Which amendment was it? There's my question for the day. Which one of the 27 amendments to the Constitution has been ratified by three-quarter state uh, conventions? I'll be back later to share the answer. Go ahead and listen up, and I can't wait till you join later on. See you in a little Thank you, Mike. Now, before we get to these behind-the-scenes clips of the 2016 simulated convention, let's take a look at some history being made. It's the latest edition of COS Now. Convention of States Foundation is hosting a simulated Article 5 convention, and former U.S. Senator Russ Feingold is freaking out about it. In an op-ed published on The Nation and MSN's website, Feingold made a series of false and misleading statements before claiming that COS is advancing a, quote, undemocratic process that would favor white Americans. This despite the fact that the process is constitutional and supermajorities of minorities approve of the COS strategy to bypass Congress and get needed reforms like term limits and fiscal restraints. A thought that must appall Feingold. What is undemocratic is Congress's refusal to heed the desires of their constituents while kowtowing to corporate lobbyists. Feingold, who recently published an entire book smearing the Convention of States movement, also says that it's, quote, deeply concerning the Convention of States proposals even exist. If a DC elitist like Feingold is concerned about COS, it sounds like we're over the target. All Americans are invited to watch the simulated Article 5 convention live on August 4th. Go to conventionofstates.com forward slash sim to RSVP for that. Citizens for Convention of States continue to spread the word and organize their fellow Americans to action. A volunteer in Delaware appeared on Newsmax. How do you feel about Joe Biden's administration being down here in Delaware? What do you think? Well, I took that oath to protect and defend the Constitution. And when I look at some of the policies and the executive orders and the federal overreach, it makes my stomach sick. And here's some photos from last week's petition signing events held in Colorado, Louisiana, and Washington. A state strategy meeting was held in Tennessee. Those strategy sessions are really gearing up as citizen activists look forward to the 2024 legislative sessions. If you're tired of Big Mobile, Convention of States is partnering with Patriot Mobile. Supporters can get free activation when they switch to Patriot Mobile. Just use the promo code PATRIOTCOS when you sign up at patriotmobile.com forward slash COSPATRIOT. And now you're up to date with Convention of States. Wow, Rita, there was a lot in that COS now. Thank you, Producer G, for putting together another amazing montage. He's always taking the, the hot things that are going on around the country and everything that's related to COS and bringing it all into one. So, Producer G, Rita, I'd like to get your reaction. To that latest 
us now. I I love the way producer G described Russ Feingold's reaction to convention of states as he's freaking out about it. <laughs> it's so funny. And, you know, like for him to describe what we're doing as undemocratic, you know, clearly Feingold just has a problem with the Constitution. You know, he has a problem with our federal system. And that's that's his prerogative. He can have a problem with federalism, but that is the system of governance we were given. That is the system that this country was meant to operate on. And so what he really has a problem with is not convention of states as an organization. He has a problem with the Constitution and the federal system it prescribes. So I, I found that really interesting. How about you, Andrew? What stood out to you today? Well, just a second what you were saying, you know, you don't, it's easy to see that you don't have a very good argument if you suddenly transition over to race and talking about how white people are going to be the ones that benefit from this. That means you don't have a solid argument and you have to go to ad hominem. So I thought that was pretty pathetic that it's, you know, Feingold was talking about race and producer G brought up the stats and it shows that a majority of minorities do agree with what we are trying to do through Article 5 of the Constitution. And this is something that will benefit all Americans. I love one of our uh, kind of messaging things that we've heard before from our grassroots and from, um, from our comms team is uh, this is a red, white, and blue movement. This is an American movement. It's not a red, blue, or a red movement or a blue movement. It's a movement for all Americans. So Russ Feingold is just completely wrong mm -hmm. uh, when he says that this is going to benefit only white people or it's going to only benefit a certain segment of, a pop of the population. Yeah. The other thing that I love seeing, as always, Rita, there's grassroots volunteer activity going on across the nation right now. I heard Colorado, I heard Louisiana, and then I heard Washington. It's great to see that you have so many events happening in the summer right now. This is the time where we see all kinds of events, all kinds of uh, meetings and booths, collecting petitions, all of that is so great. So it's, it's raising the awareness of this secret weapon that the founding fathers gave to us. And I just love seeing that, Rita. I, so any last comments before we move on to some of the behind the scenes footage we have? Yeah, I, I just want to second that. I love seeing our grassroots so active this time of year. And, you know, the vast majority of states are their legislatures aren't in session right now. But this is the key time to really engage with your state legislators when they're not at the Capitol, when they're back in their home districts, you know, you're closer to them. It's easier for you to go meet with them. So I just encourage you to be at all the places where they are. Go to their town hall meetings, go to the parades and, you know, all of those events like our grassroots are doing. Um, so proud of our grassroots army getting out there and being active now because it really matters. It really counts. Mm -hmm. With that, Rita, let's go to some behind the scenes footage. Like we said at the top of the show, the uh, simulated convention in Colonial Williamsburg is rapidly approaching August 2nd through the 4th. So now is the time to look at some of the videos that we have archived, some never before seen footage. We have four videos that Producer G has lined up for us to watch and then react to. So Producer G, can you line up that first video that we're going to watch? We have draft rules for the real convention. And we've, we have a, 
a caucus, an Article 5 uh, a COS caucus, and we've sent this out, and we've had hundreds of you uh, have the opportunity to comment on, on those. This is Rob Nadelson, who's the primary drafter of the rules. Probably the, the most read and studied on this process of, of anybody involved. Uh, how much is this like what you think the founders might have envisioned? Well, they certainly wouldn't have envisioned the, uh, the video system, and they would not have envisioned well, microphones the microphones, are... right? The procedure that's followed, however, is very close to that historically used by conventions of states all the way from the 1600s up until the last one we had, which was in 1922. You know, motions, table, you know, rise in objection, rise yeah. in support, you know, the, an amendment to the amendment. I mean, so many of the same things, it's because you've got state legislators here, they're very comfortable with the process, and they're calling upon the states as states. The one challenge we had is that because they're all from state legislatures, they're all working with different kinds of rules. So a bunch of them are using Mason, some of them are using Jefferson's, um, I think a few use Roberts, and a few use other manuals. Excuse me, gentleman from Texas, is it to table the motion to amend to table proposal one? To table the motion to amend. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's not in order. I think you can call the question. What's that? So we have a our parliamentarian instructs us that a motion to table under Mason's rules is not applied to a motion to amend. Uh, the gentleman from Texas, call call the question on the amendment. There's a second. Differences in how they applied the rules were interesting, but parliamentary common law is fairly, fairly set out. So there were enough similarities that we didn't run into a lot of problems with how the, how the commissioners were applying the rules. It's not as new as what sometimes we think of it as. We think it's a whole new concept. No, this is actually a proven concept that's been used. That's right. In fact, we've identified uh, about 37 conventions of states or before independence of colonies. Yeah. The rules that they're operating under today were rules that were crafted based upon that accumulated experience. The last general convention, that is the last convention to which all states were invited, was uh, held in 1861 in Washington, D.C. And so we use those rules as the basis for these rules. All right, Rita, we just watched a video about the rules. Uh, we saw a lot of commentary from Professor Robert Nadelson and others and legislators and talking about the rules. Can you maybe uh, explain a little bit further the rules and um, historically how we apply those rules just so that the audience and all the grassroots who are watching can have a, a better understanding of how the rules work? Sure. You know, it's always interesting, Andrew, one of the really common concerns or objections that we hear when we talk to people about an Article 5 convention to propose amendments is people say, well, we have no idea what a convention like that looks like, how it works, because the text of Article 5 in the Constitution doesn't describe how the process works. So how do we know? It could just be a free-for-all. We have no idea. And that's actually just not true because there have been so many interstate conventions, which an Article 5 convention is a type of interstate convention. There have been so many of them in America, even since before the founding. In fact, the commissioners to the 1787 Constitutional Convention were really familiar with this interstate convention process, which is why they wrote it into Article 5 and didn't spell out all the details. Um, the basic details of the process were always really the same. Um, they were well known to the founders. And so 
we do have a set of draft rules which will govern our simulated convention. And those draft rules were developed by Professor Nadelson, whom we saw there in the video clip. And he is the world's leading scholar. I don't think anyone would, would dispute that. He wrote the book, The Law of Article 5, and he has studied in detail all of our past um, interstate conventions in America. So he really understands from the direct original sources how um, these conventions operated. And that was the basis for the draft set of rules that we'll be using at the simulated convention. You also saw in the clip there um, the parliamentarian that we used at the 2016 simulated convention. That was Spencer Reeves. He did a great job this year we actually have two professional licensed parliamentarians um, it's funny they're actually from oklahoma where i am right now and they'll both be at the convention they will be sitting right up there on the dais like you saw in the video clip to advise the convention president on proper parliamentary procedure make sure everything is operating according to the rules and they'll also be on hand um, even for the committee meetings to advise the committee chair. So we've gone to great lengths to make sure we're doing this right. And I'm excited to see it operate again. You know, again, it sort of gives me chills to hear those, you know, questions being raised about the procedure and then to have an expert there to answer the question is really valuable. So I think um, with that, Andrew, we'll ask producer G to go ahead and roll the next clip. All right, let's come back to order. Before I came here from Missouri, my wife asked me, are you excited about this? And I said, well, I kind of am, but I don't think it's hit me yet. And it didn't until the opening of the convention uh, Thursday morning. All right, we will begin first of all with a roll call. So Mr. Secretary, if you would begin the call of the roll, please, sir. If the state delegation chairpersons would please ascertain if there is a quorum from your delegation present and please answer present if your state has a quorum. Beginning with Alabama. Alaska. Arizona. Arkansas. Alabama, here. Alaska, here. And they went around the room. And those who had been working hard on that, there was no dry eyes. It was emotional. It was important. It just absolutely brought tears to my eyes to see. Look at all the states gathering together again to do their job, to use the power that the Constitution gives them to protect the citizens from federal overreach. That is something that the citizens with donors and friends and, and staff did that has never been done before. It was just, it's never happened before. And it, it, I, I can see now that we have real hope for our country. It, it's gonna happen and we're gonna save it. And to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible. 
Andrew, does producer G know how to bring on the tears and emotion or what? As I'm here at the end of that, as I'm hearing the Pledge of Allegiance, I'm like mm -hmm. tearing up all over again. So I know what it was like for me to be at the 2016 simulation. What is it like for you seeing that clip, hearing the roll called? How how does that affect you? Well, I feel a lot like Rodney Huckleberry. I'm, I'm excited, but I don't know what to expect and never seen this before, never been to Colonial Williamsburg, never been anything like that. So I don't know, but, you know, kind of trying to just live that experience, hearing that gavel, I can imagine that there I would just be overwhelmed with emotion because we all work so hard every day to, to save the country. And we all firmly believe that the country does need to be saved and that this isn't just something we say, it's not something we parrot and we're just, you know, saying that the country needs to be, to be saved. We actually believe it. And so uh, hearing that from, from Rodney Huckleberry, I just, I, I felt very much uh, the same way. And it was, it was, yeah, I think you're, you're right. Producer G is just great at bringing in the emotion, mm -hmm. hearing the pledge of allegiance that always, uh, that always gets my, gets goosebumps and gets my hair raised on my arms. Just, uh, just hearing that. Yeah. What about for you? You, what about for you, Rita? Well, you know, I think I was, I was thinking, why do we have that reaction to it? And it's because we love our country and we care about it. And so to see so many people, most of them state legislators who, you know, have a lot of other things to do. They have a lot of other responsibilities and they've taken the time and the energy and they've come from all over the country because they care so much about America and about our constitution and about our future. It's, you know, it's affirming to see that many people gather together in one room and to know they're there because they care and they take their oath to defend the Constitution seriously. It's just really um, inspiring. And, you know, another thing that is emotional for me is you'll see it again. And our, our friends who are watching will see it if they live stream this event on uh, Friday, August 4th. Um, you'll see up on the stage near the dais, there is a collection of all 50 state flags, and it's in one display. Every state flag is in there in the order that it became a state. And it's yeah. a beautiful display. And, you know, after the last simulation, I actually got to take that home because I was driving. I lived the closest to the simulation since I live in Virginia. And so I got to take that home and I have had it in my office since the 2016 simulation as a reminder of that event and how amazing and inspiring it was. And I've been saving it for exactly this, for you know the next simulation. So I'm really excited to be bringing it back to Colonial Williamsburg and to see those states represented there again. So um, with that, Andrew, why don't we ask producer G to roll our third clip for tonight? That was used against me when I was doing media on the repeal of it. Limited to new proposed federal regulations or do we want Congress to be able to go back and redress 
their grievances to some federal regulation that has already been proposed and duly adopted. So Another issue that we were kicking around um, on B2, I offered the idea, if the legislature is basically acting as the executive branch to make the rule. One side of the argument is rulemaking is actually a granted power from the legislative branch, and therefore the legislative branch, if we rescind the rule, um, would not be stepping on the executive branch. Right. I mean... The, this, I view section one as reaffirming separation of powers, which basically says that if you want to make a law that's going to affect the life, liberty, or property of anybody in the American people, it has to be passed by the legislature. That's our theory of government. You begin to recognize the genius of the folks who wrote what I carry around with me all the time as a copy of the Constitution, and the genius that was involved in making proposals that were malleable enough for everybody to participate in, but yet and still restrictive enough to keep us together. So it's just that genius that, you know, when you start to tinker with it, you recognize. It's like working on one of the more complicated things you've ever seen in your life. Right now we have no control over it. We have no check on the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is the final say. And with as much respect as I feel for them, the people should have the final say. All right, Rita, we were just looking at what looks like committee work and talking about uh, amendments and amendment ideas and how to craft amendments. Can you shed a little bit of light on what we just watched? Sure. You were seeing those committees in action and you saw in some of the rooms that committees had broken into smaller groups or subcommittees to sort of hash out ideas for proposing amendments. Um, on the topic that that committee was assigned. So the way it works is we'll have three different committees at the simulation. Each of the committees corresponds to one of the subject matters under our application for the convention. And so again, if you're new, those subject matters are imposing fiscal restraints on the federal government, limiting its power and jurisdiction, and setting term limits. And what you saw was an example of how careful these committees have to be that the proposals they're coming up with fall under one of those topics. So they are absolutely limited by the subject matter stated in the application for the convention. They can't propose anything outside of that. And what you saw was those commissioners being very careful that they were doing that, that they were staying within their limit. And toward that end, you saw them talking to Professor Randy Barnett from Georgetown Law, who is on our legal board of reference. And they were asking him, does this fit? Is this a limitation? Does it fit within the scope of the application? And again, this year at the simulation, we every committee will have a legal advisor there to help the commissioners make sure that they're operating within the scope of their commissions, within the scope of the subject matter that is before them. So yeah, it was neat to see that. And I love that producer G included that clip because um, it does show that they have to be careful and sometimes they might need advice to make sure they're doing the right thing. Was that impressive to you to see, Andrew? Absolutely, so impressive. And Rita, you know, I know, we all know that the opposition is out there trying to put out a narrative that says, 
the convention is going to follow its own rules. They're going to make up rules out of thin air. They're going to be able to propose whatever they want, that they're not going to have to adhere to the subject matter, that they'll go outside of their, the scope of their commissions. And this 2016 simulation and the, the very soon to come uh, um, uh, simulation in August, uh, in August is going to show that, no, that's just not true. We're, we're the, the delegates are following their commissions. The delegates are following what the people sent them to do. Mm -hmm. And I love how the clip ended. The people are the final say. Yeah. And that's just so true that the people are the final say. The, we're working through state legislatures. And then state legislatures at the end have to ratify. Ratification is, is inherently closest to the people. So I, I do love that we have that little tidbit where the people are going to have the final say. And at Convention of States, our whole mission is to put the people back in charge. Because right now we're seeing runaway government. And right now the people need to be the ones who are calling the shots. So I just love that. Really? Yeah. Great and video. You know, Andrew, it kind of goes back to the um, COS now and talking about Russ Feingold saying this is an right. undemocratic process. No, people of all races, all political persuasions right. all, from all across the country are able to recognize that they will be represented better when they are represented by the people who are closer to them, who know them, who live in their communities, who live in their region, who know their situation and, and how, you know, how the law and public policy can best serve them. So it's a ridiculous thing to say that this is an undemocratic process. And that is why the polling bears that out, that people of all political persuasions, all races and backgrounds really support what we're doing here. Okay, so um, Producer G, why don't you take us to our last clip for today? Let's see what you got for us. When the 17th Amendment was passed 100 years ago, that was the beginning of the end for the states. That's when the state power started to slip. And if you look at that, the, the growth of the federal government over the past hundred years, you can point back to that. This is a practical tool that we can give the states to restore equality. The states created the federal government, and now the creature has overpowered the creator. We are on our knees as states. We are agents of the federal government doing the federal bidding, carrying out federal programs. This is a way that we can restore equality, that we can restore sovereignty. And, and so now when federal actors, whether it's Congress, agencies, or others, when they impose federal law, they're going to be looking over their shoulder at the states. They're going to say, okay, the states are watching now because they have this tool in their box. They have this power to override what we do if it's not done in their, in their, in the state's best interests. So, Andrew, it was fun to hear uh, Representative Merrill Nelson from Utah, one of our great champions out there from Utah, really helped um, helped the Article 5 movement there. And he knows so much about the Article 5 process. Um, what did you think about his idea of giving the state sort of the power to override or veto things that come out of Washington, D.C.? What were your thoughts? I love it. And I, the line that really stuck with me is that the creature has overpowered the creator. We, we've heard so many times that the states are the parents. 
the states are the parents and the federal government is the child and the child has become disorderly. The child is running amok, not the parents. And so we were just talking a few minutes ago about uh, Russ Feingold and it's kind of been the theme. He's calling it undemocratic and, and all of that. You know, I was just thinking about the fact that government runs amok when it's not held to account. And right now the states haven't been holding the federal government accountable and we are seeing the poisonous fruit from that. So like, you know, for me, the thing that I was thinking about is during COVID, we just saw the federal government do so many things to go beyond the scope of its authority. And so you can see the creature coming out in the details during a crisis. And I just think that the federal government needs to be put back in that constitutional box. And Rita, we have the, the tool that we can use to put the federal government back where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Giving, power back to the states and more importantly, power back to the people. Because like you said earlier, Rita, government works best when it's close to the people, mm -hmm. when it's the people who are interacting with their state legislators in their community, because they are going to be so much more receptive to their constituents who are in their community than, uh, you know, people in Congress who are far from their, the community, communities that they're serving. Mm -hmm. So I just think that what he was saying was just spot on. He hit it right on the nose on the need or the necessity to bring the states back into focus and the people thereof as well. So Rita, what about for you? What was your reaction to this? Well, you know, I want to react to what you said because you're talking about accountability. And like you were pointing out, the Article 5 convention process is the ultimate way that the states can hold the federal government accountable. And I think modern Americans, when they think about holding the federal government accountable, they immediately think of elections, which it's true, that is one, one means we have of holding elected officials accountable. But I think modern Americans tend to stop with that and think that that's the only means they have to hold elected officials accountable. And it's not the only means. This Article 5 convention process is the ultimate accountability, and it's a way that the states can use their power and their authority to hold the federal government accountable. And not only that, but to say, whoa, you have crossed the line. So we are going to clarify for you where the boundary lies. And this is the boundary that you are going to have to comply with. Um, so that's what I love about this is that we're showing people that here is another means, a more powerful means to really impose meaningful accountability on the federal government. It is a beautiful thing. And it's also a great reminder that the states were never meant to be the minions of the federal government. It wasn't ever meant to be that Congress is the super legislature and then the states are just, you know, to deal with little less important things. No, that's not the way it was ever meant to be. And we are ready to see, you know, all the ideas that will be posed for setting that right and restoring the proper balance of power between the federal government and the states. That's what I'm most looking forward to. Um, so, Andrew, I know we have some information we want to provide to our viewers so that they can see what happens at the simulation. 
That's right. Our viewers, they can go to www.cossimulation2023.org and they'll be able to live stream the final day of the simulated convention that's on August 4th. So go ahead and register at www.cossimulation2023.org. You're not going to want to miss this. This is so historic. You're going to want to see the amendments that are voted, that they're voted upon by the delegates. And, and it'll give you a taste of what what a convention can do, how a convention can um, restrict the federal government, its size, its scope, its jurisdiction, all of that, and how we can truly put people back in charge. So again, one more time, go to www.cossimulation2023.org to register to view the live stream. Uh, with that, Rita, we do have our Article 5 trivia giveaway answer from COS Vice President Mike Ruthenberg. So Mike, over to you. All right, Andrew, thanks so much for a great show. If you remember back in the beginning, we had a great Article 5 based trivia question. And what is being given away is one of these cool Convention of States trucker caps. If you didn't win, of course, you can go to shopconventionofstates.com and get one. It's summertime. It's good to keep the heat and the sun off your face and your head. It's a great item to have. Love the Convention of States garb. Just go to convention, shopconventionofstates.com. If you remember, we talked a bit earlier about the fact that we have two methods for proposing amendments. And what COS is doing right now is working on bringing the very first Convention of States, the second method for proposing amendments. Well, there's also two methods for us to ratify amendments that come out of those conventions. One is the Congress to do that, both House to the legislature. The other is for three quarters of the states to do that in a state convention. Well, that second method has been done exactly one time. One of the 27 amendments to the Constitution has been done by state conventions, ratifying conventions. Which one was it? The 21st Amendment. It's quite interesting, right? It's easy to remember what the 21st Amendment is for, right? The 18th Amendment is one that banned or prohibited alcohol. The 21st Amendment is one that brought it back. And that was the one that was ratified by three-quarter state convention. So it shows you this Constitution is working well. What a great, great opportunity to do that again when we get to convention with Convention of States. For now, I'm going to sign off, but I'm going to give it back to Rita, and they'll continue with the show. Thanks, Mike. And now it is time for one of my favorite segments. It's our newest segment. It's the COS Live Mailbag. These are messages and questions from viewers like you and if you want to be featured, you should drop us a comment on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. And who knows, your question or comment might be featured in our next episode. So, Andrew, why don't you tell us what we've got in the mailbag today? First one is coming from Alex uh, Gallimore. How many commissioners from all 50 will be there at the simulated convention? 
That's a great question, Alex. And the number has been fluctuating a little bit as we've had a couple of cancellations here and there because of you know situations that come up with our commissioners. But as of today, I believe the number is 115. I am sorry to say that the one commissioner we had from Rhode Island has had to cancel for personal reasons. So I'm really sad that we, as of right now, we don't have a Rhode Island commissioner. However, I want to point out how interesting it is that Rhode Island also was not represented at the 1787 Constitutional Convention. So <laughs> it's a, a little bit ironic that once again, Rhode Island is likely to be the state that's missing, um, but we're still gonna have a great event and 49 states represented is pretty good. All right, Rita, we have another question from Tony uh, Bilbo. I'm from Idaho and would like to know what COS has done in our state. Yeah, well, Idaho is a really interesting state. It is the only state in the nation where you basically have to have a committee hearing and vote in order to print your bill. Um, so our Convention of States resolution hasn't actually been printed and given a hearing for the past couple of years due to some um, strategy that we're working in Idaho. However, I am very hopeful and optimistic that 2024 is going to be our big year in Idaho. And we, our team is working really hard to make that happen. We've got a great grassroots team out there in Idaho. So Tony, if you're not already involved, I would really encourage you, I would plead with you to go to conventionofstates.com and click on the take action tab and get plugged in with your state team there because they could really use your help. All right, we got one more. This is from Norman Zink, and it's more of a comment. Uh, stand up for freedom. Support the uh, support convention of states. One by one, the states are joining. That is such a true statement, Norman. Yes, stand up, speak up, show up, come join a state team, get involved in this organization. This is the the uh, the movement that is going to bring self governance to the people. So, like Rita said. Go to the take action page at conventionofstates.com. Look through the different volunteer roles that are available. Sign up to be a district captain. Sign up to be a volunteer activist. Whatever talent you have, we can use it to help grow our movement and to get closer to a convention. So please go to www.conventionofstates.com. Click the take action page and look at all of the leadership roles and volunteer roles that we have available. Well, that's up for that's it for us, Rita. Uh, we'll be, we're gonna have to sign off. We'll be back next Tuesday though at 6 p.m. Eastern time for another edition of COS Live. Until then, we have a country to save, so it's time to get back to work. Thanks for joining us. This has been the podcast version of COS Live. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com/pod. Thank you for listening.